friends and welcome new friends. My name is Megan and this is my podcast Pursuit of Unhappiness. For new listeners, every episode I take a deep dive with my guests about their life experiences, life lessons with the goal to share with all of you new perspectives. I believe there is so much power in learning from one another that allows us to uncover new things about ourselves. And the more we uncover about our individual self, the closer we get to feeling what we are all looking for, and that is purpose. Today, I have such a cool guest. I'm joined by Pedram Valiani from the bands Frontier, Sectioned, and new to me, we parentheses are. We connected on Instagram, and you'll hear in this episode how it all came together. It's pretty fucking cool. Uh, He took me through the journey from not really being a fan of music to finding what he truly loved about music. We talked about what truly matters to Ped when it comes to music and being a creator. I found so many parallels to my own experience in craft beer too, which was awesome. There's so many good moments in this episode, so I won't give them all the way. Also, uh, (laughs) pardon in advance that I had a couple fangirl moments, uh, but overall, I just have to say I have such an appreciation for what this band is doing and how they approach creating music for us as fans. All right, everyone, I just have to remind you how much I appreciate all you supporting the show and all the listens I'm getting. It's It's been amazing, and it's been a cool journey to kind of come back to life with this sh- this podcast. If you'd like to continue to support what the show is doing and the other work that I'm doing, you can follow along my adventures primarily on Instagram, and my handle is Megan from the Black Lagoon. Now, lastly, this will be my final plug here about the live show that my other podcast, Halloween is Forever, has coming up this fucking Saturday. We are doing this live show for our one-year anniversary, which is, again, mind-blowing that we are in already one year. Uh, I'm still pretty terrified and excited, mostly excited. Um, The live recording is coinciding with a beer release that I'm part of called May Queen. And this is the second year we are releasing this beer with Hot Farm Brewing Company. And they um, exist in the neighborhood of Lawrenceville here in lovely Pittsburgh. Halloween is forever Uh, got involved because the whole beer name and the style was derived from the 2019 Ari Aster classic Midsummer. So here are the details. June 25th from 7 to 10 o'clock at Hop Farm. We're going to be hanging out in the warehouse. We're going to be sipping on some May Queen. We're going to be raising money for the Pink Boots Society. And then from 8 to 9, Halloween is Forever will kick off a really fun live recording where we're going to highlight certain clips from the movie Midsummer. Now, this is a motherfucking free event. So come out, support women in the craft beverage industry, support my other podcast, and, you know, it, it would just be super cool to see you. Let's, let's all hang and let's party. All right. Now, without further ado, enjoy my killer conversation with Ped Valiani. 
Welcome back to another episode of Pursuit of Unhappiness. I'm here with Pedram Valiani of the band Frontier, which welcome. I'm so excited to be able to sit down and talk to you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, Megan. I'm really looking forward to the chat today. Heck yeah. So for our guests that might not be familiar with your band or your background, do you, can you explain to them like who is Pedram? Uh, what do you do maybe with the band and also maybe outside of the band? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Pedram. I play in the band Frontier. I also play in the band Sectioned, and I have a post-rock band called We as well, which I'm not sure if you're aware of prior to this call. But that I actually am not. I'm so excited, but I will check yeah. that band out after. Yeah. yeah, I haven't done anything with them in quite a few years. But um, yeah, so I do all the writing, production, recording for Frontier, uh, along with uh, Chad Capper, who does all the, the vocals and stuff. Chad's based out in the US. I'm based in Scotland. And uh, we're, you know, we're a full, full band, full touring band. We've got uh, three other members as well, Callum, Dan, Owen. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the kind of the band side of things. Personal side of things, I'm a software engineer. I work at the BBC. Um, I work for BBC World News. Um, I play guitar for 15 years and I also record bands as well when I get time, uh, when I'm not busy, but I'm usually pretty busy. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, yeah, I think it's really easy once you're already like just a doer to like put a lot of things. So between work and the band, I'm sure that's probably a lot anyway, but probably in yeah. a good way, I hope. Yeah, in a, in a good way. I, I like being busy. I, I find if I'm too idle, I, my, my thoughts just sort of tend to drift off. And uh, yeah, I just, I just prefer to be like focused and, and, and doing things and, and seeing results. So yeah, keep active. Yeah. yeah. Do you, um, that just prompted a, a question in my head about like, I'm sure it seems to be talked about a lot now with this like hustle culture and like people trying to um, like be really focused on the balance of it all. Uh, do you have any perspective on a saying busy, but also finding balance within all of that? Like, or is there anything you particularly do to still like stay busy, but create like balance? So you're not just always working. Yeah. I, I always get rest time and I always make time for rest time. Like there's no, you know, there's no uh, two ways about that. Like I, I, I work hard and do, do a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, I know I need a break. So I've got no problem in saying like, I'm going to, I'm going to take two weeks off to just do nothing. Nice. It needs to be that I work towards a goal because I know I'm getting rest time afterwards. Mm-hmm. But when I say rest time, the things, things like rest time might be writing more music because that's mm-hmm. fun. As much as some people might find that work to me, it's just fun. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll maybe, for example, at the moment, I'm packing a lot of the orders for the new album and I'm mostly doing that. I mean, I say mostly, I'm doing that all myself at this point in time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's taking up a lot of my time, which I'm super grateful because people, uh, I'm super grateful because people are really, uh, really supportive of us. And at the same time, I'm like, right, I know that when I get this next round done, I'm going to have plenty of time to just chill until January because our vinyl doesn't arrive until then. I can't really pack any other orders until our vinyl arrives. So right. I know that I'm going to get some rest time uh, once this this order batches out, and uh, I make sure I take that time out. Yeah. Just speaking of the vinyl, uh, I, I hear so many comments from different artists like how it's just taking forever. Did you get this record like in in enough time so it wasn't like an insane delay for you? I mean, to be honest, it's still kind of an insane delay, delay, but if we had waited any longer, it probably wouldn't have made sense to release the the record or, you know, we, we already slapped a big disclaimer on there that 
the album comes out in October, but the vinyl doesn't arrive until January. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're if you're buying it, be aware of that. Again, we made that really clear. Um, but no, I think we got in at just the right time. I think you know, two to three months is maybe acceptable. If it was going to be six months down the line, then we probably would have had to rethink things. Um, but this date that we had planned to release the record was, you know, I, as soon as the pandemic hit, I was like, cool, this is when we're going to release the album. Like, this is the absolute earliest it's going to come out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in 2020, we had decided that it was going to come out October 2021. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I had pre-ordered a record from this band, um, Filth is Eternal back in probably like April, May. It was, it was set to come out. I think it was like August or early September. And I just got the notification like yesterday that everything was shipping. And I was like, Oh my God, like very excited, but it, they definitely saw delays too and stuff. So, but that makes total sense why you'd want to like also just pause and not delay it too much, but that's pretty cool. So jumping into some of the questions that I have, I always like to talk to people about kind of like, I mean, the goal of the podcast is like, why do we do what we do and learn from one another of like how we got to where we are. So from where your music started or just even career and whatnot started to now, um, can you take us through that journey? And if there, was there any like standout moments that you felt like were significant that either changed your perspective on things or changed the trajectory of what you were doing with your life? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll try and be as succinct as possible, but mm -hmm. I guess my journey starts off with the fact that I didn't like music when I was, you know, really, you know, before, like in my sort of pre-teens, I wasn't really interested in music. That's interesting. I, I liked like, I liked like one or two hit singles when I was like really young, but when I say they were hit singles, they were some of the most annoying tracks ever released. Like it was like, <laughs> uh, no, no limit, like that song by, by Desert Two Unlimited, like, uh, that was one of my favorite songs when I was like yeah. seven or eight. And I would just listen to that on repeat, like constantly. Mm -hmm. I feel like that still impacts me today because you could probably, you could probably hear that in the, in, in the, the music with Frontier, like some stuff repeats a lot, but there's a lot of repeated, the, uh, repeated iterations of things that are kind of similar, but, but different. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, so I kind of, I started there, wasn't really interested in music. I then got the, now that's why I call music uh, compilation CDs because my mom used to play them in the car all the time. Yeah. So I picked up like, <laughs> I picked up like a track here or there, like Daniel Bedingfield, like mm -hmm. we teenage dirtbag, stuff like yeah. that. and started to get more curious. Then I got a disc man. Then I got more of that's now what I call music CDs, found more tracks, discovered nickel, Nickelback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, that takes me to like a first high school like kind of disco dance thing uh then began to hear more tracks through there yeah. and it was just sort of this like really incremental like shift of interest uh in, into music until eventually um i kind of got i got fed up of seeing everybody wearing like offspring and slipknot or in hoodies like when i was growing up in school because yeah. they were like a big thing like, everyone mm -hmm. had them i was like who the hell are these bands like what what does this mean like why are people like wearing this what is this thing so <laughs> At that time, I had discovered Kazaa and uh, LimeWire. I don't think LimeWire is out by then, but Kazaa was definitely around. I was like, right, I'm going to download like their music and find out what this sounds like. So mm -hmm. I, I literally, I remember it. Like, I remember sitting at my desk and I was like, cool, download Alien App Farm, download Linkin Park, download mm -hmm. Slipknot. One of the Slipknot um, tracks I downloaded was Spit It Out, which mm -hmm. had the music, the music video. So I watched that, I listened to it, and I was like, 
it was literally just like this, like that mind blown meme where I was just like, Whoa, what is this? What is this? What is this? Like, holy shit. Like this is, this is totally cool. And from there I just became like really interested and like addicted to the like metal music in particular. But then I, I started to find what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that really kind of was the spark that started me into getting interested with guitars and, and so on and so forth. Because I think the, the, the natural thing and, and people still do it now, even though they played for years, like you want to emulate what you're hearing and mm-hmm. do your own thing, your own iteration of the thing that you're hearing. So, or at least most people's goal, I think is probably that from the start. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really short summary of the journey up until the point where I start thinking about, um, about playing and, and, uh, learning guitar. If you have any questions. Yeah. Um, I think it's related to, you know, learning a little bit more about your backgrounds. Like I, I, I've seen the banger documentary and just like kind of followed you guys since the in loved album. And a lot of the times it's always described as like you, you do all the writing, you do all of this production for everything. And it kind of came off to me as like this, like DIY attitude, but um, I was curious, like how that developed or has that always kind of been the case? Or I, I guess I'm kind of trying to understand and dive into um, your writing style and whatnot. Yeah. So I guess you're talking more from the, the point of view of Frontier than like my individual, like my individual journey towards music. So, um, yeah, I mean, I do all the writing and the production and stuff. All that sort of, sort of thing is basically like you know, it's my baby and, and I do it and I, I have a, a degree of control over that, but it's not really like a, you know, it's not like a one man band dictatorship. Everybody's mm-hmm. contributing in lots of different ways. Um, you know, Dan, the uh, other guitarist in Frontier, um, he, you know, he used to manage bands and, and, and stuff before he used to manage. And so I watched from far, um, who was sent to Sergeant House. Um, you know, he's, he's had some experience within the music industry. He brings a lot of stuff to Frontier when it comes to the tour side of things. Okay. Um, so, you know, we've got, we've got a lot, a lot of the members all kind of do different things towards frontier and yes okay i do the writing which is what people probably hear most at the end of the day because it's the mm-hmm. music but but everybody contributes in in their own ways like when this started off it was just meant to be an online project me and chad right. because he was in the states and my other band section was a local band with local members mm-hmm. and i didn't see a way in which we could have a u.s vocalist working for you know, like working alongside this music. So it didn't really make sense. So that's why mm-hmm. I started Frontier in the first place. Mm-hmm. But then the, you know, times have changed since like 2012, you know, I mean, as pandemic aside, like international travel is far more prevalent. Having international members is much more normalized. And uh, I, I honestly think we're probably like, from a DIY perspective, bands at the sort of scale that we were at that time, uh, you know, we're probably, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean it in like a, like an accolade sense, but like we're probably one of the first to really get going with it and do stuff mm-hmm. with with members who are based internationally, at least in the kind of metal subgenre that we play. Yeah. Um so so yeah, uh that 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 moment again bringing Chad in and deciding that we would we would pursue, you know, an EP and stuff, that was really the the spurring point that helped develop everything else because it was only when we got our first gig offer to come and play UK Tech Fest that we decided that you know, me and Chad were like, oh shit, we could actually make this a live band and then recruited all the members around that to make that mm-hmm. happen. And they've remained as the permanent members of Frontier. 
Right. Right. Well, I guess I think maybe what I was getting at as far as like with you writing, have you always like from when you said you've been playing for 15 years now, have you always kind of created your own, like created projects and written them start to finish? Um, Has that always kind of just been something you enjoy doing or not really thinking of it like, oh, collaborating with other people? Because everything you said makes total sense that, you know, everything's a team effort. Um, but yeah, just like really understanding even your creative process. Is this something that like, when you go into writing, do you already kind of have like an end goal? Like you're like, I know what I'm looking to do. I, and I guess I'm asking this cause I'll give a side story. Nick from daughters, like he always goes into writing from what I've like read as he looks at it, it's like this like musical piece. And so I guess that's where my question's coming from is like with you writing, um, so much of the music, is that kind of similar uh, like similar mentality to that, or is there something else to it? I wouldn't say it was similar to, to his process. I mean, I have a, a high level goal when I go, and that is that I want to write an album and it's specifically an album because I've written EPs and past experience informs me that I don't really enjoy writing EPs because I don't feel like, I don't know. I just feel like in the grand scheme of things that I've never really resonated with a lot of EPs in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that many other people will. So, um, no, I, I just basically set, set the goal, like I'm going to write another album. And then from mm-hmm. there on, the the tools in which I'm going to use to write that album are more important to me than the music itself. So the, the tools, how I'm, going to, how I'm going to write it, what I'm going to use to write it, how I'm going to set my guitar up, what kind of drum tones and stuff I'm going to have, what pedals I'm going to use, plugins, etc. That's all more important to me because that allows me to be inspired to then do the thing i got to do with writing the album. So that that puts me in the zone and my writing process is, you know, it's evolved from what was like no process to being quite structured now um, in a mm-hmm. way that suits me because I don't like, I don't function with writer's block. Like I don't, I don't even waste time like noodling with my guitar and trying to force an idea if I have writer's mm-hmm. block. I just get up, put the guitar down and go away and come back until I have something to, something to say because otherwise it's pointless like i don't i don't sit and practice guitar kind of aimlessly or just noodle about i probably should and it's it's fun to do it like <laughs> yeah. occasionally when i when i do but anytime i have with my guitar is always productive time like it's mm-hmm. i know that i'm going to do something with it i'm not just going to kind of sit around and i'm certainly not going to sit around and learn like you know shred exercises or warm-up tutorials on youtube like i, I hate that yeah. shit but like but like I, I learned that but like this is the thing yeah. it's a whole process that I had to go through to learn what actually suits me because yeah when you're when you're growing up and when you're starting like an instrument you hear all these things like oh go go learn like you know go learn these like van halen licks go learn like this like you know uh this sweet picking tutorial go do this go do that and in the grand scheme of things those things are all like really menial and they might they might improve like a technique here or there as long as you want to use that technique but otherwise it's right. kind of pointless you don't have like a like a artistic end goal for yourself right like i don't know yeah that makes sense no it does i i really like all of this the vibe that you have around this because i feel like it's so direct to the point and i think it does create a lot of space like mental space for productivity and the ability to kind of go. And most of my listeners already know that I work in the beer industry. And I think like, I get asked all the time, like if I homebrewed or if like, you know, what does it look like to kind of even learn and grow? And I, it's kind of like weird to be like, I didn't homebrew, you know, I, my goal in this industry was always to just like make beer. So now when I make beer and like looking at that creative process, I, you know, I, I know what I'm doing, you know, I know what's, what, 
what all the ingredients are going to do together. I know what the process is. I know how to manipulate it to make it work. So it's like, it makes total sense in my brain, like what you're saying. And I think yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank I, you. Yeah. Now you kind of talked about like, you know, working with your instruments to kind of create a little bit of inspiration. Um, is there anything else outside of that? Or do you have any sort of inspirations you come back to, to kind of even, you know, you mentioned that you don't really get writer's block, which, or if you do, you just walk away, which I think is great, but yeah, let's talk about inspirations and things like you kind of use or things that have worked in the past for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess, Music is mainly driven by musical, uh, you know, musical inspiration for me, and you know the, the bands I listened to growing up, and like our, you know, solo artists, etc. Um, but I don't have like a fixed, you know, exhaustive list of of inspirations or you know or um, you know tangible things that are like this is an inspiration, that's an inspiration. Um, I think it's it's more of a feeling nowadays than um, compared to when I was younger, where it would be, as I said before, inspired based on trying to replicate what someone else was doing, but mm-hmm. then change something about it slightly to make it uh, to make it my own. I mean, in a sense, I still kind of do that, you know, subliminally because I try to take the the best bits of all my favorite bands and 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 do that, make make them myself, make, make, make myself, make them my own thing. Yeah, uh, but, but, <laughs> they yeah, are you yeah. basically. Let's hear. Like, they are. They are me. Oh, talking so much shit. Um, sorry, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I view I view it as more a feeling, like a sense of being like, man, I'm so up for like writing some riffs right now. Like, I need to go to my computer. You know. Could be anything. Like I, I air drum all the time. Like I, I tap drum, <laughs> nice, off my desk and stuff. Like all yeah. the time. Sorry, I picked that up on, on the podcast, Mike. But I do things like that. And if I pick up something that I'm like, oh, that's I can make a catchy riff out of that, then I'll, yeah, I'll do it. Um, I will say actually, in the phase I'm at right now, the the new June film uh, definitely inspired me musically. Um, I've I've gone a lot more into an album for like orchestral stuff that isn't shit like in metal okay. like i find i find that there's a lot of metal that has that has or, orchestral um instrumentation and stuff i just hate the way that it's that it, it kind of mixes in with the music so i'm playing around with some ideas that very much would like the next frontier record to sound as like have that same shock value and be as scary but in a completely different way so like a horror movie soundtrack almost but but you're saying but, all the right things to me right now I'm already, oh, I'm already cool. on board. <laughs> yeah, cool. I mean, that that's, that's, that's the inspiration right now for me. And that's where I'm at in my head creatively, but like it needs to be done in a way that is like tastefully executed that, sure. that doesn't just sound like someone sticking a cello over a guitar for the sake of, you know, writing something that sounds like a death chord track. Like that, that yeah. I just, I hate that. Like I get, I get nothing from it. You know, uh-huh. I feel like that sounds like a really cool challenge to put up put yourself through, which I think it's going to like, I think push your creative juices like a different way, like with like wanting to mold those things together. Like literally I'm on board, Marty already bought the record. Don't worry. (laughs) I mean, literally I, I think in ways like I kind of like, I guess I'll, I'm not really expressed to you and I'm not trying to fangirl over here at all, but like, I think your music like always struck me in a lot of ways because like, I've always felt this chaos, like, but it was like mildly controlled. And I, I think a lot of artists that I've always like, obviously I'm wearing a daughter's sweatshirt right now, but, and I've already talked about them before, but, uh, 
that was like what struck me in the early 2000s when they were writing, you know, it's just like every I'm a fairly calm human being for the most part. And I think like when I hear music that just like comes at you in a different way, it I don't know, it's it gives me this like level of expression that I don't get I get to like experience in my normal life, you know. Yeah. It's like the controlled chaos. And I, I've always appreciated that. So, um, but when it comes to music, I, I love when things like aren't just the status quo of what you expect out of an artist. Like when you start talking about that orchestral beginning, I just like, I think of 20 bands right now that do that. And not to mention, I won't mention their name, but like hearing a band add a saxophone that I was just like, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why you decided to do this, but even hearing that type of stuff, um, I, I think I have a lot of faith in what you guys can do, but I think it sounds like a cool goal to go after and I'm excited for it. No, th- thank you very much for, for all your, your, your kind words. And I can, I can see how you kind of, um, yeah, I, I, I get exactly where you're coming from with, you know, the, the chaotic vibe. I think we just need to kind of we want to flip that a bit on its head. I think mm-hmm. I've always been into writing albums that are incrementally different as the records go along. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is a thing, and this is sometimes something that people may criticize Frontier Forwards. Like, oh, but it just sounds the same. Like, you could play the, the all the albums side by side, but, like, they would all sound the same. But, like, to the face value listener, to the guy out there that's sort of guy or gal or, or whoever is is out there listening and thinking, like, oh, you know, face value, it's just the same song. Like, it's maybe not going to resonate with them, but for somebody mm-hmm. who's been into the music and followed the music for a long time, there's those who pick up Oxidize and they're like, yeah, I can see that there's a lot more going on here, not at face value, but when I listen to more than just like a single or two, there's there's more things going on. And that's the kind of listener with the, with the attention span that, that can last that we are trying to yeah. kind of, you know, that target but i think there will be more for you know the people who just love singles um to 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 be a bit more intrigued and, and shocked uh, next time around and funny enough you mentioned doors but that was one of the 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 bands that i mentioned to chad recently like their most recent album i was like that's got a very you know acute sense of what we might try to do on the okay. next record but in our own way so yeah i'm excited course. because because I don't know where it's going to go. Like, I have no idea. So I'm excited to, to see myself. Yeah, I like I like watching the evolution of how people write over time. And I think it's like as we grow as people, it makes total sense to try to let the music evolve. And I don't know, just be creative in a different way. But you touched on something that I wanted to ask more about. And I've always been really like... I know people have heard me shout to the rooftops how much I fucking just like hate people who just like focus on the status quo and just try to like be a fan, like get fans of everyone, you know? And I think it's, you're really pigeonholing yourself to and stifling your own creative juices and stuff like that. But what I like about what you guys do is that you kind of mentioned it's like, I don't think you're for everyone. And I think that's okay. But you guys, I think it allows you guys to still be really true to what you guys want to do. And the people who are going to appreciate your music are going to find that and they're going to keep growing over time. You know, I think that mentality is like a sustaining factor when it comes to art and music and whatnot that I don't think enough people think people are scared of it a lot. But I was curious if that's something that you guys are very conscious of or um, what how you kind of feel about that. I think it's just. To, to a degree, it's probably coincidental that if we change something out 
about the writing that it maybe pulls in a newer, you know, a different fan base or has some crossover with another band or whatnot. It's it's coincidental. It's not always I say it's not always the intention because there are times where I'm just like we can make this a bit more verse chorus verse but the song will not suffer for it and i i really want to do it because i think we could do something really cool like that as a band um we've maybe not done it yet but i've definitely toyed with the the idea of it but to be honest you know we don't we don't come at it from a a marketing uh you know from a marketing manager's perspective or for one Sim, symbol, single team members like perspective where we're like we need to do this because this will affect the growth of Y like Spotify or this will affect the growth of La like it's just all but like what are we going to do differently this time on this this record that mm-hmm. we know we we haven't done before that would be really enjoyable what are we going to extend that was the same as the last record but present it in like a different way so yeah it's not really you know, it's it's it, it's not really prescribed. Um, we we just kind of we write the record and then we see how everything else comes together. Whether it's you know new new Spotify followers, new fans, mm-hmm. um, you know new new artists who are like kind of artists who are established that we've been following that then reach out and say like really love what you guys are doing. Like that's always really cool because oh, nice. you find that a lot of artists, you know, a lot of artists, I don't think unless they're really close with the band. I don't know if they really give as much airtime on social media to to um, other artists of a similar comparable size. Like it, mm. you, you see, it happens. Like people, they would get really protective about their online space, and they don't mm. want to sometimes give people that free free pass or free press. And we're not really like that. Like if we really enjoy something, like we'll shout about it, you know. Or another artist will show them and let everyone know that they need to check them out. Yeah, I I feel like everything that you're saying is so cool because I think you're naturally still creating like a cool community around what you're doing by everything you're saying, whether or not it was a conscious thought or not, you know? Um, and I think what happens is like, people just see that, you know, you don't have to ever come out and be like, yeah, we don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. We're just going to keep doing us. You just don't have to, you guys are just doing it. And I think, I think that's really cool. And we need, I like to see more of that in the world, you know, just people focused on, the love and the fun of what they're doing. And, um, I I think it just resonates. Um, people definitely feel that, but I was curious. Um, and I feel like made this like cliche, like music question with, since you just put out the new album, um, what was like, you said, obviously you had more people reaching out, but I guess, did you notice anything specifically different from the response from this album oxidized to from the last one unloved or even the one prior to that? Well, I mean, I guess if we're talking like, okay, you're just talking like things we noticed. So we achieved um, half of our all-time streams for the last two albums, Art Mathematics and Unloved. We achieved about half of that in a month for Oxidized. So like That's the last few years, the records have been on Spotify and all the digital stores we achieve more with, with oxidized than the first month of release. So, you know, those numbers from, from a music you know, industry perspective, they may not be large numbers compared to bands that are 
signed and have huge teams behind them but for us that's huge because we know how impactful the last two records were um, based on the reviews and, and all the kind of criticism and stuff that we got last time so that was that was definitely the biggest thing we noticed um, yeah. yeah oh I mean did you uh, did you guys approach this album differently related to that as far as or because the last album I feel like in my mind I think did pretty well then you guys had the documentary come out did you think it just has especially like during the pandemic and you know people just literally doing nothing but probably listening to music and exploring new things. Um, did you feel like all of that stuff kind of led up to it or did you guys do anything particular to affect this release? No, we don't have like a, we didn't do like a PR campaign or a okay. press campaign or everything. It was, it's all people writing about the band off their own accord, you know, That's awesome. their own back, their own interests. So it's, it's all organic. And to be honest, like, you know, the people that, that, that do say, like, oh, but you could be doing so much more if you had, you know, this guy doing your PR for like six months. Like, just imagine like what you could do. And it, it's it's nice to have that curiosity to imagine like, oh, what what could happen? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we're, th- this is another thing as well. And I, I wanted to mention it on your last question as, as well. As a, a big thing for me is the passage of time with music is so like important, like a band's discography and the time that they take to write that discography is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, the ba- This band has never been about like, Quick, quick success. We've been really fortunate enough that things have, have gone kind of well, but I like to keep Frontier going for the next like 20 years if I can, as long as I still have ideas in my head to, to write about it. But I think that there's artists put so much pressure on themselves to have like this times 10 factor increase in like fan base upon record upon record. We're mm. on album three now, and I know what we're going to do with album four, but album five, six, seven, eight, like I'm not. I'm not, um, you know, if, if we don't, you know, if we end up playing stadiums by our mates somehow, then that's amazing. Like that, that's so cool that that could, that could happen. But I know that there'll be artists out there who think that by their third album that they should be on arena tours. And I, I hate that like mentality because that's also ingrained in people who work in the industry as much as it is in the artists. Mm-hmm. And we're never, we've never really been like that. I think you'll find sometimes people will say, oh, they're on their third album and they still have, I don't know, take something arbitrary, like, oh, they're still like, 20,000 Instagram followers or less than 10,000 Instagram followers. And it's like, and that shit fucking matters because if your mm-hmm. fan base is switched on and engaged and actually buying your shit and talking about you, that's worth 10 times more than just like, okay, we have 20,000 Instagram followers and nobody's actually talking about us, you know, cause it's just yeah. a number at the end of the day, we have a mm-hmm. very hardcore engaged switched on fan base, um, which I love. And uh, the passage of time is so important because, I mean, we've not toured the US yet. We've not been to like Australia, Japan, New Zealand. There's all these like milestone things that we still have to do. And we're, we're on a third album. But I think the traditional model would have probably said by this point, you would have done all those things. And we haven't. So we've still left room for growth and new experiences and not rushed everything, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's amazing. There's this like concept that gets talked about a lot in the craft beer industry, especially with sour and sour and wild beers that oftentimes just take like a long time to produce. And it's like time and place. And I've always appreciated the concept because it puts a lot of value in like the present moment of what you're doing now and kind of really appreciating what you're doing. And I think it's something we've kind of maybe mildly touched on throughout this conversation that I think you guys do really well in creating that organic fan interaction. I think it's really cool because that I do think that is way more sustaining when it comes to any industry right now is 
what are you actually doing with the people who give a shit about what you're doing? When I see like a lot of other breweries or even kind of what you're referring to bands, just going after the numbers or going after the hype and trying to create like the next big thing. I, I kind of think it's just all bullshit. I, it's not sustaining. You're always going to be chasing something that has nothing to do with who you are. And so, yeah, I, I really appreciate what you guys, what you're saying here about all this. Cause I do think when you're talking about wanting to keep the band around 20 years, that's really what's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's taking your, taking your time and not, um, not rushing it, not feeling that you have to put out a record every, you know, year and a half or anything. Albeit if you, if you're that creative and, and you have you know, strong enough quality control over your material that you can do that, then absolutely do it. Everyone's different. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, but you know, that's, that's not for us. Um, so right. we're just kind of taking our, our time and going as we go. There was something I was going to add to what you were, you were talking about there because it raised an interesting point for me, but I've forgotten it. If I, uh, <laughs> if I, if I remember, I will, uh, yeah, just I, will, I will come back. Yeah. I will yeah, come for back. sure. Another thing I wanted to touch on because, um, the way you've described your band and like being very collaborative and like doing different things. So, and also being very DIY that you guys have always done this work yourself. Um, do you have any like significant failures you feel like have taught you guys a lot? And I mean, I could probably in a way understand where you're all coming at, at the band with your expertise, you know, so there probably is a level where maybe you're not seeing as much because you're weighing on the person who is like the best at that thing and vice, you know, whatever. But I was, yeah, I like talking about what are those things? I think we learn a lot when we fail and fuck up. Mm, I guess if there's any failures uh, with, with the band, I mean, I, there's honestly, like I thought about this one before the call and I can't really think of anything. If there's failures, it's more to do with like the planning side, the on stage sort of thing, like working with the limited time that we have before a tour to rehearse mm-hmm. together and then get on a stage. It's, so it's uh, the fa- failures are maybe, maybe like menial things about um, maybe not having like a backup guitar available or something sure. like that, or the right, like the right string gauge in the case in case something breaks and to replace it. So stuff like that, that, that can be easily fixed between mm-hmm. tour to tour, gig to gig. Um, but other than that, not really. Um, yeah. It's cer- certainly not not collectively. We all have a very, we have a very uh, solid like group dynamic. Generally speaking, especially you know compared to a lot of other bands where things have come out of the woodwork and stuff like that. Like right. we all know know and and trust each other and we get on well. We're not very rowdy when it comes to like touring and stuff. We're you know we're all pretty clean guys and and like in the van and stuff like that. Like our van is is never really a mess. Like we clean it every every day when we're on tour and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we're probably like probably pretty boring to be honest by comparison <laughs> to a lot of bands. So I don't really know how that links to the failure, but like sure. I guess it's just yeah. If there's been any challenge, we've overcome it. I don't think we've really failed at anything. Good like. Yeah. I think my comment, when I was asking the question, I was just like, as I was asking it, I'm like, just the way you describe your band, you're basically like leaning on each person's, um, strength. And I think you're setting your band up for success, which is cool. And I think even those little things, like, though they're probably not failures, they're just like, Oh shit, next time we just got to make sure we do X, Y, Z. But I think it's really cool that you guys have a dynamic where, you know, you can support one another and keep, you know, like, you know, you might remember this, but then you have someone else being like, let's check this, you know, to type, type five. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I rem- I actually remembered what I was going to say okay. before. And it was about, 
engagement. Yeah. It was about engagement to do with uh, other artists. So something that I notice a lot is that I think it's so dumb that like on Facebook specifically or like Instagram, you've got a lot of artists who are quite keen to, you know, do this sort of um, like vaguely modest post about something that they're doing or done or whatever. <laughs> and they'll, they'll put, they'll put some absolute BS up about they're doing this or they're doing that. And uh, you'll get loads of fans, like loads of fans that will comment and engage and like, or ask a question and stuff like that. And like they'll rack up the comments and mm. they just won't respond to anything. Like they just deliberately avoid it. It's like they, mm. like they expect people to come to them to say, this is great. This is excellent. Like when, whenever the, like I do on most of the social media, like whenever someone comments on something for us, like everything's like everything's read, everything is like addressed. If it's a problem, we'll address it. If people have something to say about it. We'll, we'll reply to them. Like we'll give feedback. We'll get a discussion going. And like in today's world, like the way that the, the algorithms move on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, that's so critical for fan retention. Like if you're mm-hmm. trying to like grow your fan base, like, and you're if you're a numbers person, and there are plenty of people out there that are like numbers bands, not engaging with your fans when they are, you know, hyped about something you're doing or whatnot, or like purposely choosing to ignore them because you think you're above them because you're a big page. Like I hate that shit. Like I absolutely can't stand it. I think it's one of those things that's really helped us as well because people are like sometimes stoked to get a response from the band about something they've asked or done that they wouldn't have expected to. But um, I think that's just normal. Like, it's just, that's just conversation. That's just engaging with the people who are probably spending money on you. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to call that out because there's a lot of bands kind of, even like in our, in our size and in our scene that just take it for granted. And um, I think they're doing themselves yeah. a disservice. Yeah. And I, I think just as like, as a consumer on these platforms, like you can tell when people are genuine about it and you can tell people who are just like doing it because they know the algorithm is going to work in their favor. Yeah. And then, and then I think, and I, but I can, again, as a consumer, I can completely see though, I don't follow as many like pages that don't respond or don't engage. And unless I'm literally there for information, like, oh, I like whatever it is you're doing. So I just like, if I want to go say it's a brewery or another business, like I'm following you just so I know when you're open or if yeah. it's a brewery what food trucks do you have? And then I might yeah. not even like follow that. So yeah, no, I, I think that is super critical. And I think, I don't know if you've heard of this concept, a thousand true fans, but it's, it's basically what we've been talking about this whole time. And it's about like, just specifically follow finding the people who give a shit about what you're doing. And I think that engagement is what really builds them there. Cause they're the people who are going to like support you no matter what. And mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to what we've already said that like that's what I think creates sustainability for anyone, whether you're an artist, business, anything. So yeah, they're they're gonna recommend you, they're gonna, you know, they're mm-hmm. gonna promote you, they're gonna advertise whatever it is that you're you're doing. And I, I don't want to just want to say a disclaimer, like I'm not gonna confuse with what I was saying with um those threads that are like tag your favorite artist and mention them and see if they rec- if they reply to you. Like, I hate that shit. Like that friend needs to die. Like I hate that mm-hmm. people are doing that a lot on Facebook at the moment. Yeah. That's not really what I mean. So just for anybody else that's listening, it's more if we're on the Frontier page, we posted something and you comment, like the comment will more than likely be addressed by someone for someone to say something. Yeah. Um, and I think just to give it a good example of even how you and I connected to do this interview that that's exactly what happened. Like I posted about your band and I was like, 
album on repeat. <laughs> and you're like, so what I could tell though, and what it struck me was that like, you at least took enough time to be like, who's this person who's like supporting what I'm doing. You clearly knew I did a podcast. You're like, Oh, if you want to do a podcast, let's, let's, let's set it up. And I'm like, Oh, like that, that type of engagement, I think can go 10 times further for an artist or a business than anything else. You know what I mean? So, um, just to give an example for anyone listening who might be on the other side of like, and being an artist or own a business, like that shit fucking matters. And it spews off all this dopamine. You're like, Oh my God, this is so fucking awesome. Like, I'm pretty sure I screenshot like that conversation and sent it to like three of my friends. I'm like, do you see this? This is fucking amazing. You know? And I, it, you know, you get hyped about it. And I think, yeah, I think that's really cool. So Thank you. I didn't, yeah. I, had, I had no idea that it also made that much to you. So that, that's yeah. awesome, Megan. Yeah, so absolutely, man. I, I think it's really cool. Again, was trying not to fangirl too much about your band while we're on this. Don't worry. You're all good. You're all, you're all good. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Yeah. Um, so I think the next thing I like talking about, and especially, it's, I mean, your band really sounds like you have a great dynamic, but so maybe this question might be applicable outside of that or with work or whatever is hard topics, um, approaching conflict. Um, something I've really learned over the past few years in like my career is how important it is to be conscious about like, or even empathetic to the people you work with or the things that you do. And when there's a problem to always address it and like really break down what's going on. So I was curious if like what your perspective was, or if you have any anecdotes of a time where you really had to like face a hard situation with someone and maybe what was the situation around it? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I have specific situations in mind, more like the process of overcoming it. Uh, so if we're talking about from a personal perspective, um, you know, what, how do I, how do I approach like conflict or challenges? Um, I always try to immediately find a solution on my own. Like I'll, I'll exhaust like a list of solutions in my mind about how I can go about fixing something if it needs fixed or addressing it or responding to something that's difficult and requires a response. Mm. But almost always I'll end up, even, even if it's something that I think I can deal with individually, I'll almost always reach out to either family or close friends and closest friends being the band, depending on you know what the situation is and who it's with, etc. So I have no qualms about really doing that. I'm not the mm -hmm. kind of person that easily kind of conceals things. I, I, I very much out in the open is, is like how I like to, to do stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I can't really think of a specific example. Um, I mean, our, our drummer Owen, he's been going through some, some difficult periods recently and I'm sure you yeah. won't mind me saying it. I won't go into too much details. But sure. He actually left, left the band briefly in 2019. I say briefly, he left it for the majority of the pandemic. And then I think, um, everyone's perspective over that period had changed uh, about our life goals and individual pursuits and stuff like that and what we wanted to do. So he ended up, you know, he ended up rejoining. But um, yeah, like, you know, th there's an example where, you know, he's been going through a bit of a, a tough time, but is working hard to overcome it. And we're all here supporting him um, vocally, like, you know, through conversation, through, you know, um, 
shared time together, which isn't just band stuff. Like it's not just mm-hmm. going to have a practice because sometimes a practice isn't what you want. Like, you know, sometimes playing music isn't what you isn't what you want to do if you're mm-hmm. feeling a certain way. So just like hanging out and doing things that you enjoy. Um, they don't necessarily provide the long-term fix, but they are a bit of a temporary ailment and a, maybe a bit of a distraction over the current situation, which I think can sometimes be a good thing for a long-term like remediation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I guess I can't really think of any any particularly uh, difficult topics or anything, but that is generally like the approach and how I would go about it uh, personally and in some context with with the band with Owen. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think it's amazing. I I think my only thought is like, have you always kind of had that perspective? Like even, I think these type of things can like develop like in our childhood, a lot of having that comfort and like coming out, like did your family dynamic was, were they always very, and sorry if this is like too intrusive, but were they always like, okay, if there's a problem, we'll talk about it. Um, Or did you notice that just you had this comfortability being vulnerable with other people and, um, just like coming out if there was something you need to talk about? Um, from a personal like level, um, I don't know if it's never, it's never really been put in those terms. Like I never felt like I couldn't, I never felt like I couldn't speak to either of my parents about something. Mm-hmm. I know that if I did have anything that I would speak to, I'd probably speak to my mom first because my, my dad's <laughs> views and things can tend to be quite, quite fixed and like sure. a subliminally repetitive saying the same advice over and over again. Like right. it just, sometimes doesn't doesn't stick or sometimes just gets me frustrated so sure. no i've never felt like i couldn't speak the the either of the um you know either of them about it but it certainly wasn't like a let's make time sit down and have a chat about it kind of thing it's very much been like in the moment this problem's going on let's talk about this like sure and just dealing with it there and then it's never been like a let's all sit down and have a family chat kind of thing never never done yeah. that um, no, no, I, I think that's great. Yeah. Cause I feel like even just that, those little things can subliminally like create a good foundation for the future, you know, especially with the way I like the way you guys, you've talked about how the band dynamic though, because I think we are basically cultivating like these like really true connections with people who, you know, in the long run, it's going to make your music stronger. It's going to make your relationship stronger. And, um, I think it sounds really healthy. So it's really cool. Cool. So we are coming up on an uh, almost an hour. So I might jump to my rapid, not so rapid fire questions and just hit on a couple of them if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'll try to answer these the best I can. <laughs> um, one of my uh, favorite questions is like, how do you, or I guess, what advice would you give like either your 20 year old self, which I actually don't know how old you are. So that could be like five years ago, <laughs> which I don't think that's the case, but uh yeah, like, what would you tell your younger self, really? So I'm uh, I'm 31 now. Um, okay, cool. What, what advice would I give my 20 year old self? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I noticed then this is probably more response, but I wouldn't because then I wouldn't be where I am now. So yeah, that, that's right that's now. how you beat the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I gen- but I genuinely, like, I I genuinely wouldn't have. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. There's nothing I would, I would really change because oh, yeah. I kind of believe that. In some ways, I kind of believe that a lot of things just happen generally for a reason, and and that's the way it is. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that. 
I'm okay with that answer. You get a pass on that one. <laughs> I so, think it's good because I, I think like for me, it would only be that just like, I, I feel like it took me so long to not care. And I wish that like, I didn't have as much anxiety then, but I still think it's cool. Um, and I like your answer actually. Um, now I guess the other question is what is something that you've changed your mind about whether we're talking six months ago, a year ago, five years ago and whatnot. Um, anything you think of? And they'll probably be musically inclined, these ones, so that I couldn't do backing vocals because I do a little bit on this record. So that's okay. the first thing. And I, I kind of toyed with that on and off for a while, but I think I managed to get away with it. Okay. Um, nice. And uh, I need, like, the traditional industry model to build, like, out to get a booking agent or to advance my interests as a band. I think maybe very early on, like I'm talking like pre-frontier, I, I think I was probably guilty of having that image. But then I think it was a lot more prevalent and common to be on that kind of old model back then. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think subconsciously I kind of thought, well, I want to try and do it not and see what happens. And then here we are, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I think the last question that I'll finish this up with is what's something uh or something about you that most people familiar with you or your work wouldn't know about you? Um, <laughs> so I thought I, okay, yeah, so this is very <laughs> random. Um, I did have one down for this. Um, okay. So my dad used to manage a restaurant and that was once on the BBC Big Breakfast show. So there used to be this show that was shown like in the 90s that um was also on the BBC and yeah like basically you have I remember I've got a, there's like a videotape of it somewhere but like it used to be an Indian restaurant and they yeah. had like curry on a stage at like nine in the morning and the thought of that makes me feel so ill but yeah he was uh <laughs> he was he, he he was on the the BBC Big Breakfast show I, I don't know if that that episode is anywhere online I've never actually oh, checked but the, I think we need to google uh, this there is a there is a <laughs> tape of it somewhere. I should actually try and hunt that down. I'm sure I can probably find it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there you go. That's back. pretty awesome. Well, cool. Well, again, I appreciate your time so much today. Um, is there any sort of plugs or anything you want to toss out at my listeners? No, not really. I'd say just kind of keep engaged. You know, the usual kind of follow us on Spotify, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Just yeah. uh, keep keep commenting, keep asking us questions, just keep following. And yeah, um, we will probably have another album out, not not before too long. So mm -hmm. uh, it's just going to have to try and make it. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on today and having a, a really good chat. And uh, yeah. keep, keep, keep in touch. Maybe we can do absolutely. another show a, a few years down the line when the next record's out or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Is just a other, are you guys talking at all yet about coming to the US to do a tour? Yeah, we're looking at 2023. We okay. are speaking, we're speaking to a new, a new agent. Um, we did have a, a previous US agent, but it didn't work out. So we've got a new agent now who is pulling some things together. So yeah, we're, uh, we've got our availability and everything set aside. So we're trying to see what they can do in this sort of summer window of 2023. So I, yeah. I, I hope, I, I hope so. Um, we'll definitely be out one day. It's just a case of when, but I think 2023 is a good bet right now. Cool. Well, that's exciting. Again, thank you so much. I look forward to chatting and kind of just following what you guys do. And I, I just appreciate you guys and what you're doing. 
And so just keep kicking ass. So no worries at all. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on, Megan. And uh, can I just say, I really like the Gremlins lunchbox that's <laughs> in the background there on your table. Thank I've, you. been looking at, I've, been, I've been looking at all day. It's yeah. uh, nearly that time of year as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.